Hey, y'all, if you enjoy watching your podcast, which seems kind of weird, watching your podcast, but some people really enjoy that. So we have a YouTube channel. You can find it at Heather Parody, P-A-R-A-D-Y. It's also linked up in the show notes. You can hit subscribe. And several of these interviews are actually in person. So you can watch that. Again, that is at Heather Parody on YouTube. So I grew up believing in calling. God has a call on your life. And although that sounds really exciting, for me, it felt really daunting and almost a burden because I was constantly afraid of screwing that calling up. What is it? What happens if I mess up? I don't want to make God mad. Now, since then, I've deconstructed a lot. I don't view God as angry anymore, and I definitely don't see calling as something that you can screw up. So why is it that still we hesitate so much in giving our gifts or we question their validity or worth or value? And why is it so hard sometimes to find out what you really want that work to say? I was in a really weird spot last year and found myself on YouTube. You know, going to YouTube for advice is always a great idea. But it just so happened on this particular day, I found this video. So whether you're a musician, a photographer, a filmmaker, a writer, or an artist of any sort, what would it look like if you found the courage to make and produce and share the work that you really believe in. Honestly, that's the work I would love to see you make because we're just saturated online with cynically produced middle-of-the-road work that's just designed, made, and shared to crack the algorithm of popularity. I hope you find the courage to be different and to make that braver work which you feel more of a connection to and to trust that maybe not the biggest, but the right audience will find that work and love it like you do. Subscribed. I found out that this man is named Sean Tucker. He is a photographer and filmmaker and likes to weave philosophy into his creative work. And as a former pastor, he gets the deep yearning a lot of us have to find meaning in our work. Y'all, I binged through his videos, picked up his book, The Meaning in the Making, and I binged through that too. And I thought, man, I would love to sit down and have a conversation with this guy one day. Well, life is pretty cool, y'all. What, what a lot of people don't understand about leaving the church is God is a difficult word for me now, but yes, that's what I mean. And I was so embarrassed about that, that I need to be able to justify everything I say and the way that I choose to say it. <laughs> this, is, this is what they call in counseling, that doorstop confessions where you're about to leave the door. Leave the... Sean, I've already read your bio. We've already gone through all of that. Let me tell you how I found you, okay? So last year, I was going through probably one of the hardest years to date. And I found myself, I'll say Googling, YouTubing. I put in YouTube search bar. Mm. How do I find my voice mm. again? And I was honestly like, it's honestly just even embarrassing saying that because I'm, you know, last year I was 36 years old at, by the time you're 36 and have lived a lot of life, you would surely know what you're here on earth to say and what you're supposed, not necessarily do, because I, I know what my gifts are, but sometimes you have your gifts and you don't know what you're trying to say through it. And I, I was kind of confiding in some friends of what is what is this work what am I trying to say here what am I trying to do because I had very similar background to yours with full-time ministry I was a therapist for quite some time I'd done all the work and helping people and God's calling on my life and all that and then when all that got stripped freaking away I felt nudges but I couldn't point it towards something mm. so anyways big ass intro but I was on YouTube and I'm like sitting here in my office like how do you find your voice? What are you trying to say? And one of your videos popped up. Now you're known as a photographer in this space, right? And I know you make videos just for makers in general. So it worked. Your girl found you here. And I felt like you were addressing stuff nobody talks about. And I found so much comfort and peace in it. And so you're not supposed to fangirl on people whenever you meet them for the first time, because that's not cool or so I've heard, but I don't care. Because, Sean, your work has just been so meaningful to me. But the first question to kind of start you off with, the thing people might not know about your story is you were in ministry like myself for a long time and then went into the arts. And I was wondering, did you face the same thing that I did last year where when you pick up your camera, you pick up your typewriter or your stencil or whatever, and you're kind of stuck saying, well, I thought I wanted to tell people about this. 
And now I don't know what I want to say anymore. Did you face that at all? And how did you overcome it? Uh, at the risk of making you feel worse, at, at 45, I, I still feel that way, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't it. go away. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it goes away. I think that the sooner you make friends with the fact that actually you're not ever going to arrive at that final thing that is just completely satisfying, you never need to change again, and you can just lock it down for 40 years and plug away. I, I think we constantly have to be changing. Like, I think from the outside, it might be easy to look at, at like what I'm doing now and go, oh, well, that's definitely the thing you found it. So you can just keep going. But I'm already getting fed up with a lot of what I do and know I need to adjust again. I know really that it's not quite right yet. It's not, it's not purposeful enough. And I need to start shedding some of the stuff that I'm, I'm actually less interested in and really again, shifting things so that I'm being more purposeful about what I think I'm here to do, you know, and that's, that's a constant process like um yeah it's it's I, I can see that's it i can see the underlying thing has always been there there's there's like these two levels what it looks like from the outside what the details of like the job are for example and then what the purpose underneath that i've been trying to find so i i'm pretty clear now that what i'm here to do is to help people get a handle on their lives what, whatever that looks like and especially try and make a dent in people's experiences with anxiety and depression, which are so prevalent. And when they kind of hit those roadblocks, I can see that that's what I was trying to do, going and studying psychology and then going to work for the church for a mm -hmm. decade. And then, you know, starting a YouTube channel that let's be honest, but wasn't as much about photography as it was other stuff. The photography is a Trojan horse. I've, I've never made any bones about that to talk about more important things, you know, writing a book, but I can feel that I need to keep finding ways to, to hit that stuff more purposefully. And, and, doing tutorials on how to use a speed light to take a good portrait is not is not necessary i'm happy to give that info out but there's better ways to do it and i'm always trying to find mm -hmm. those better ways so right now i'm taking myself back to school to get accredited in this country to be a therapist because that Love might that. be a next a next step right it's never done and i i think i'm i'm getting more and more comfortable with the fact that it kind of never is done i'm always going to be looking to adjust and adapt and and try and do what i feel i'm meant to be doing but more deliberately you know, and that, mm -hmm. that I think what you're describing, anyone listening would be like, oh, yeah, that's that's either either that's exactly what I'm experiencing right now or very recently I experienced that. It's such a common thing. It doesn't feel common. It feels very, I guess, like I said, I said the word embarrassed earlier. I felt like a lot of shame around it because I took a, a stand up class. Which mm, cool. It was not good, dude. It was terrible. It was really <laughs> bad. It was really, really bad. But I just been trying to play with different stuff. And I know the teacher, she said, all right, what I want you to do is I want you to write down 10 controversial statements that you deeply believe because she, what she was saying was like with humor, at least you find like edgy contrasty stuff. Cause the surprise makes people laugh. And mm -hmm. man, I struggled on that piece of paper for ever. And I was like, what is it that, and a lot of it was probably conditioning around, you know, being a woman in the church and all that in your voice. Yeah. There's that element too, but really figuring out what I believed when everything that I did believe was stripped away was really hard. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to make this all about both of our backgrounds and ministry and stuff, but I think that's what connected me to you so much mm. is there was a spiritual element to creative work that almost felt like a, it felt like its own church in a way. If that yeah. makes sense, it felt like I was leaving something and finding God again through yeah. this art. And what's interesting about that is that need to still make a difference and help people mm. is there. But when the foundation of like, okay, well, this is the answer. This is what mm -hmm. you need to do. This mm -hmm. is the path. When you don't have, you know, a path that you're pointing towards somebody towards, how do you still find like, or feel like you're helping folks when you're like, I don't know. You're one of the rare people that will understand this, I think, that I get to talk to is that like what, what a lot of people don't understand about leaving the church is that for a, for a big portion of your life, you you get given all the answers. You don't have to think through anything for yourself because you're told what you should think. And it's, it's it, intellect is almost vilified, like to think through stuff for yourself is bad. It's seen as it's seen as the opposite to faith. Right. If you think through things for yourself, it means you don't have enough faith if you're asking questions, especially. Um, I always used to say like that I thought like doubt, this is why I used to get in trouble in the church is I used to uh, speak a lot about the fact that doubt is essential for faith. You can't have faith without doubt because 
if you die and you you know go to a literal heaven and you're standing in front of a literal god do you need you there, there you can see god do you need faith in god anymore like, well no because there it is you can see it right there in front of you. you don't need faith anymore exactly so you need to have doubt to have faith the minute you know it you don't need it anymore the minute you have yeah. like rock solid evidence it doesn't need to be there so i've sort of carried that through and been like you have to have those doubts and all that confusion and everything else and the minute you start to pull at that thread everything comes unraveled you know because you you start to go well what about this how was this put together why was that and then when your faith starts to come unraveled in that very neatly kind of pre-packaged formula that you're given it's not just a faith it's also your worldview it's it might be your politics depending on your country and then you're faced with like you you and i who work for churches now you're about to lose your job Okay, that's scary. Now I've got to retrain and think about what am I doing at whatever age I am. Not just that, you're also going to lose your friends. A lot of your friends are going to go, I don't want anything to do with you because Correct. if you leave, I feel I have to choose now. And yeah. so I have to choose the institution and you need to go because you're some kind of heretic and get out. So mm -hmm. overnight, you can lose your worldview, you can lose your job and you can lose your entire community mm -hmm. because you make a decision to go, no, I, something about this isn't right. But mm -hmm. that said, I haven't lost my faith. It just doesn't, it doesn't look like it used to. Like I wouldn't be welcome in a church now because it's too broad. I want to read everything. I want to take everything in from everywhere. And I want to be a lifelong student of whatever the more that's out there is. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to define it as neatly anymore. I want to be open to lots more stuff. So mm. I don't fit in anywhere and I don't want to. I'm not about to join a group ever again. But I do want to like sew whatever that is back into the things that I make. Yeah. So that it's not just let me show you how to use the shutter speed on your camera. It's it's trying to inspire people to dig a little bit deeper than than whatever that surface thing is. I'm thrilled you're going to be a therapist now and you're going down that path. I know when you left the church, I think a friend of yours said something along the lines of, you know, you gotta pick a different direction. What are you good at? And you went into filmmaking or, or videography. When I heard that, I thought, I wonder why he didn't go into therapy. It was too close at the time to what I was doing with the church and I needed a break, I think is a yeah. simple answer. It felt like a it felt like a simpler thing to get my teeth into. So I could I could almost be selfish for a while. Like I, I, at the time, I just didn't have anything to help people. I was like, I was I was pretty broken after that whole experience. Like it's it, it's it's a unique kind of dark night of the soul that where you lose you know worldview career and yeah. community all overnight and I, I'm like I, I can't be there for anyone else right now and doing something like photography or filmmaking meant oh I know how to do this technically and I can just focus on doing it technically well and I don't have to I don't have to rescue anybody not that that's a good mm -hmm. idea anyway but I don't have to because that was definitely part of the wiring in me I wanted to rescue everyone I can yeah. turn that down for a while and just focus on something that's quantifiable and manageable and I can do it right or wrong you know what I mean mm -hmm. it's simpler that makes sense makes sense it's funny <laughs> I had like a list of questions here and I haven't even gotten into any of them and we're 15 <laughs> okay. minutes in I had here about creating meaningful work and the consistency of that when sometimes you don't have anything to say and I was journaling about this a few weeks ago because I I've been studying storytelling and I want to get, God, I love it. I, I just want to get better. And so there's this part of me, it's like, okay, you get all your bad, bad videos out of the way, right? You just make and you make and you make so you can throw up all over everything and mm -hmm. figure out what you're trying to say, figure out your style, figure out the editing, all that part. But then I've noticed in me, I kind of feel like, well, but it's Thursday, <laughs> you need to put out a video. And I literally, man, I, I don't have anything to say. And so it's yeah. been really this weird pull between being a creator and wanting to be faithful to the work, like yeah. you know, Stephen Pressfield talks about and all of that, but also too being mindful that we're not just putting shit out into the world that's meaningless. And so yeah. I know you have a really unique philosophy on it and almost torturous to us because sometimes we don't, you know, I want a video from you all the time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I get it. I understand what you, what, you know, your approaches to it, but I also know you have a reverence for the work and you want to get better. Are you just at a point in your filmmaking that you feel comfortable enough that you don't feel that need to put out as much or how do you gauge that? 
It was from the start for me. Uh, I, I, I mean, when I started doing things on YouTube, for example, it was back when I had full-time work. So it was on the side. And I just made a deal with myself that the, the most I could, the most I could manage realistically, having something interesting to say would be one video a month. That's it. And I've stuck to that. Like there was a stage for three years in the middle where I did two videos a month, but I've never, ever done more than that because I just don't have more than that to say that's worth anyone's time, yeah. especially not 20 minutes of anyone's time, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I've watched other creators online, makers, who end up giving themselves a schedule because they think they can crack the algorithm. And by the way, I've seen people break themselves trying and I haven't seen anyone manage it because of the amount of stuff they put out there. It's mm -hmm. not, it's not the, the missing ingredient. So they, they will go like, I have to do two videos a week because I once watched a video that told me that's how many videos you need to put out to succeed on YouTube. And they kill themselves doing it. And the way that they do it is they realize quickly that they don't have eight videos worth of content to say every single month for years on end. So what they do is they take a tiny bit and they stretch it and they, mm -hmm. they all the videos get thinner and thinner. There's less information in them and more waffle. And I think people quickly, what you actually do with that is you ruin your reputation because people realize that you don't actually have as much to say as you think you do with your, with your upload schedule. And they start to check out going, hang on a minute. I watched a great video from them about two months ago, but the, the last five or six have been kind of nothing in it. And then I, I, I listen to conversations of people going, have you watched so-and-so? Yeah, I don't really anymore. Cause he just seems to waffle now. doesn't really need to say that much. And I'm like, I never want to get caught in that trap. And that's not to say, by mm -hmm. the way, that I haven't made videos. I look back on and go, that was a waste of time. But what I did do was go, I'm going to make less and make them well rather than make more because I think that I'm going to, I'm going to beat the system by throwing out volume. Right. I just don't, I just don't think that's how it works. And look, you know, I, I, I know what I can be doing as well. This is the other side of it to, to get more attention on the videos that I make in the photography world. I know that if I make videos because, because most photographers who are on YouTube watching videos about photography are beginner photographers mm -hmm. who are either asking give me a quick tip that will make my photography better faster or tell me what camera or lens I need to buy. Cause I don't really know what I'm doing at the moment. And I need to spend some money. If I made videos giving quick tips or giving yeah. advice on which gear to buy, my channel will do much better because those are the people who want to watch videos and they're the ones who are waiting on YouTube for that sort of stuff. But I wouldn't like my own work. Mm -hmm. And that's important to me. Like I really do want to build a catalog of, of videos online that I can look at all of them and go, that's a great body of work. There's not a ton of yeah. filler in there because I wanted to get tons of subscribers, but I was talking about things that I, I, I mean, and that are important to me and I hope are important to other people too. And that I can be proud of that body of work at the end of the day. It wasn't a cynical marketing ploy. It was mm -hmm. because I felt like I actually had things pass on. I hadn't thought about this before, but when you said things that I like, and I know you mentioned that in your book too, about you said something almost along the lines of like, it's, it's good to have a little bit of ego in what you're making, doing yeah. it for yourself. And again, back to that deep, deep conditioning around servanthood and things are for other people, which sometimes I think we tell ourselves that it's for other people, mm -hmm. you know, the tactics and all that stuff, because it also too feeds, you know, gets in front of more people because the algorithms love that. But I don't know. I just think that's a, I don't really have a question for it. It's just an interesting point to think about. I wonder how much we let ourselves enjoy our work or even ask ourselves if we do. I mean, I, you've got to start with why you're doing it, right? Like what's your goal? Like do you, maybe it is you want to help people. And, and there is genuinely a part of that for me um, because the things that motivate me and keep me going are those few emails I get that will just like someone will share their story and have me in tears because I'm like, wow, I, I just thought I was throwing out something that was, you know, I thought it was meaningful, but I didn't realize it would hit you that way. That's amazing to hear, you know, that, that keeps me going for a year, not how many individual people clicked a like button on a video. That's irrelevant to me. It doesn't matter to me at all. Right. So it's, 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 why am I doing it? If I'm doing it for fame or fortune, I'm doing it wrong. Like I'm very lucky that at this point I can sustain myself in what I'm doing, but it's changing. It's going down all the time yeah. at the moment for the last three or four years, it's been getting harder and harder to do that financially and everything else. I'm, I'm, I'm failing. If I, if my only goal is, is money and attention, I'm doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And I know some things I could be doing to make it better T today. I could do it, but that's not my goal. My yeah. goal was always make work. I believe in for those, for those people that it hits and really, really means something to, and can be life changing. And if I have to go back tomorrow, this is why I'm studying counseling because it does, this doesn't have to be my job forever. 
it does have to be my calling though. So if I have to go and find other work and keep this going one video a month forever and keep being proud of the work I'm making, I'm happy to do that because it's not job first. I love that. I know I don't want to feel like Oprah here reading to you, but <laughs> reading your own stuff, but there was a paragraph in here that I wanted to ask you about. I told you at the beginning that I was searching for how do you find your voice and how do you know what you you want to say through your work and that you were telling a story about how you went you were doing street photography i always turn my head over here and the mic's here sorry y'all sorry <laughs> uh, you're doing street photography and this dude was like really into it right and, and jumping in there and then you were kind of like retreating a little bit because of your personality and whatever and you said when it comes to finding out what your creative voice is it's really important to pay attention to these moments we're often looking for times when we feel things are clicking and we're doing the work that makes us happy but it's also crucial to acknowledge those moments when we're having to push against the grain of our personality and get anything done and unconventional advice there my friend but my follow-up yeah. question to that was where where is the line between acknowledging where you feel that friction and then also not pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and growing? Mm. It's definitely both. I think I overstated it because we hear so much about you've got to push yourself, you've got to push yourself and you've got to be this. But the danger in doing that, I think, is you lose your best chance of finding your creative voice. So take, for example, people who do things and release them online. There is so much information out there about how to be in a YouTube video, for example. And I watch people, my contemporaries, who go through these phases where they try out different personalities to see what the audience likes or the algorithm likes. And some of them end up looking like they're presenting a kid's show, like all the enthusiasm in the world. But you, you, you look at them behind the scenes, they're going, I hate this. I hate doing this. Like I hate doing it this way. And they burn out because how, for how long can you fake being someone you're not? And that, that actually be sustainable without you getting exhausted. Plus, I really think that in general, we're getting more and more sick of inauthenticity around how we're being presented to and we want, we want real. Yeah. So I, like, I, for example, I, I knew what was out there. I could see what was going on when I started. And I thought, no, I'm going to make a decision to talk the way that I actually talk. I hope this feels like the way that I talk in a video, for example. It shouldn't feel different. It should be how I would talk to you if we were sitting and having a coffee over a table. It should feel the same. Because if I talk like that, I can do it forever. It's how I talk already. I'm not pushing against the grain of my personality to become something I'm not just to get somewhere because that's not sustainable. And I think ironically, it gives me the best chance of finding a voice that's different from the crowd that has mm -hmm. something to say, but has a different flavor to it too, which I think ironically is more attractive to listen to and, and more interesting to listen to because there's more variety. And it's not, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not, I don't think I'm not a, copy and paste version of what mo most of what's out there on YouTube, for example, it's, it is slightly different in flavor, but that's because I chose not to cut against that grain. The difference obviously you're alluding to is, yeah, but you should still be able to push yourself beyond things that are uncomfortable for you. Mm. That's absolutely true. And I think we yeah. should try things. I'm trying things all the time that I'm not comfortable with because I know that to do that kind of work might be important, even if it's not easy. Like the fact that I can talk, from a stage in public is only because, and I talk about it in the book, you would remember probably, was because, I mean, I used to be terrified of speaking in public. I, I hated it. Like the, my nightmare was doing these English oral exams at school. We had to stand up in front of the class and give a talk for 10 minutes. But then when I decided to go work for the church, a big part of working for a church is standing up on a stage and talking to big groups of people. And I knew that. Yeah. And I knew the good that I could do if I got to, or worked out how to do that well. And so we had preaching classes at, at seminary where you know, we had 45 minutes where we gave a message and then we went out for a break and then we came back in after that break. And then for a second, 45 minutes, our class tore to shreds everything we just did. And we weren't allowed to talk. We could only listen and take in that feedback. Mm -hmm. We weren't allowed to justify or explain or respond. Just listen. And it was, you know, you hold your hands funny. That story doesn't make sense. Your whole structure of this thing is is off. Like, why are you doing it that way? You waffle, you, you, you make weird expressions with your face, everything you can think of. And it was intensely uncomfortable to go through that but i knew that it was a skill that i needed it was a practical skill that i needed if i wanted to do that work and now i'm so grateful i have that because it lets me make videos the way that i do it lets me give talks live the way that i do because i developed that skill and that was me pushing hmm. 
myself beyond my comfort zone to get a particular skill set but at the same time not going against the finding a way to do it that fits my personality and doesn't cut against that grain because i think that i'm losing the chance of having a voice that's mine in that space you you seem so freaking comfortable in your skin and in your body and who you are and i think mm-hmm. that's probably why we're all like attracted to your work because you're right man like you watch your stuff before meeting you i knew how you were going to show up because you can't it's it's so honest and you can't fake that crap what's interesting is i love the online space it i can honestly say that it saved my life in many ways because i didn't have the voices i needed and so i had to find them digitally Mm. right so it exposed me to different trains of thought i mean it's it's game changing for a lot of people what's interesting is trying to figure out our humanity in the, through a digital landscape. And, you know, we're similar in age where we're kind of the first generation to kind of walk through figuring out what it means to be a human being online. And the way that you've been able to navigate that where it feels, and I, I don't want to just brush past it because people are like, be authentic. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. But also as a human being, we all have deep insecurities longing to be liked to be accepted when we bring that online which just perpetuates right do people like me do people accept me do people love me it's understandable that there would be a difficult you know lens to to try to understand whether you're doing things the right way or not Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. because i might feel like heather's being authentic but really i'm sitting here wondering what sean's thinking about me So how do you keep yourself grounded in all of that? Because I think you do a badass job, dude, but surely it just doesn't come natural. And if so, I'm just going to (laughs) go just quit everything. It's, I mean, it's really nice. You say that I battle with it like everybody else. I think it's the the temptations that are there for you are there for me or there for everybody, you know, to, to put out something that we think will be quote unquote, more successful or more interesting to people so that we're selling ourselves more, but I, I've got it wrong badly a few times in my life. And I was so embarrassed by that. I think that gave me a big wake up call. I mean, the, the, the example really? of, of speaking in the church is a good one the, after that phase where I, where I was really bad at it and I decided it was really a decision. I'm like, I need to get good at this because to do this job, I have to do it. I got good very fast and I got a reputation for being somebody who could go and speak to people and make complicated ideas very simple and communicate them very well, which, you know, when you're trying to talk about the mysteries of the universe to distracted teenagers is quite helpful. I think that and I got invited to lots of, you know, places I was speaking multiple places every weekend because I got this reputation. And in that, in, there was a particular year, it would have been probably a, well, it's a while ago now, but it probably would have been about 2003, I reckon, somewhere around there we were still doing these preaching classes and I'd given a message in this preaching class that I thought was like a barnstormer. I thought like I've, I've smashed this one. And I came back in after the, after the break and the class were like really complimentary, smashed out the park. We've got so much to learn from you, Sean. You're so good at this, blah, blah, blah. And my teacher who I, I is one of the, is one of the three people in my life who's had the biggest impact on me at the time, a guy named Vic, who is the gentlest, kindest, sweetest guy who never says a bad word about anybody like just waited till everyone had kind of talked themselves out. And he said, I'm going to be honest, Sean, you insulted me today. I'm like, Whoa, like what, what just happened? He's like, I think, I think you've lost your way. I think you are showboating. You've oversimplified. You're out for attention. He hammered me like, and it was so out of character that it kind of the whole room, you could hear a pin drop. And then he just dismissed everybody. He didn't explain anything else. And he left. And it was almost like he was angry. And he mm-hmm. didn't talk to me for 24 hours. And I came back in the next day <laughs> and uh, he, said, called me to, he called me to his office and he said, I'm sorry about the way I said some of the stuff I said yesterday, but I'm not, I'm not sorry that that shocked you. And I'm not sorry. I believe everything I told you. And it was such a, a blow to that bad side of my ego that wanted the attention that like I had given up saying really important stuff because I knew how to tell a story that would get attention. And I'd swapped getting short-term attention in a room for maybe making a long-term difference in somebody's life who was sitting there. Mm-hmm. And I was so embarrassed about that, that I, I've been incredibly hard on myself ever since, that I need to be able to justify 
everything I say and the way that I choose to say it and make sure that the reason that's happening is because I think it's the, the best possible way I can think of for it to land with somebody else and, and for it to really make a change. Am I in it for me or am I, am I really in it for them? It was such a stark realization that day. And it took me a long time to undo it. Like, you know, all those mm -hmm. temptations, all those things were still there to, to kind of get that short-term attention. But yeah, I think he definitely, and I've had a few of those, by the way, but he that one really stands out as a day where I was like, I have to choose why I'm doing this and what it's for. So authenticity, mm -hmm. I guess, I mean, it's an overused word, isn't it? We all kind of yeah. bandy it about, but it's, 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 it's less about that as in like, oh, I'm being so true to myself and, and that's so beautiful to everybody. I don't, I don't, because everyone's got an opinion on that. I couldn't really care to, to lots of people. I'm just a pretentious twat from England who can't shut up because he sits on his sofa and thinks he's got something to say for 20 minutes. I, I'm not trying to please everybody. I'm just trying to just be able to justify at least to myself that the, the things that I say and the way that I say them, I've got a good intention behind it. And that intention is that it lands with a few who really need it that day and makes makes a real difference. If I'm not doing that, mm. if I'm doing it to try hack an algorithm to get popular, I, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. And it is that stark, that choice sometimes. Yeah. I, I can see those days when I'm scripting something going, well, I could change this and it'd be more popular. I could change this title and it would it would do better with the algorithm. I'm like, why are you doing that? Is it going to still land as well? Or are you compromising the, the quality communication for the potential that it could be slightly more popular and make you look better? And, and I'm very strict on myself with that. And thank God you are. Thank God you are. Man, you ready to go into the storytelling piece? I know we're over, but a few more minutes. Oh, go, yeah. Um, okay. Thank yeah. you. When scripting something out, I have those pauses too. I love tactics. I think I'm really interested in it. I love, because there's a lot of psychology behind why there's, why a hook works. Mm. Uh, and it's interesting because when I go and get feedback from some other creators in my life, you know, they'll, they'll give me back other hooks and different ideas of stuff. And there's this weird like integrity check with a lot of stuff where I'm trying to figure out the balance between using tactics that will help elevate the message yeah. as opposed to leaning on them as the message. And that's where the weight is, is just this yeah. sexy hook that isn't honest. And so it's really, it's, it's, I haven't figured it out yet, but I'm very new. I'm way, way, way in the beginning stage than what you're at with scripting stuff out. But when you're looking at a piece of paper, like how much of your mind right there is thinking tactics versus story versus like spirit, heart, and soul. Like that's a, yeah. it's a lot to put on a piece of paper. I've got a video on, on my channel about scripting for YouTube and, and I unashamedly use a bunch of tactics that are all ripped straight from communication I learned with the church. So oh, let's talk I, about I, it. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a three part structure. I know I'm going to have an intro right. and, a, and a body and an outro. And basically the intro, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. Right. And I'm going to tell you it in the body. And then I'm going to tell you what I just told you in the outro. I'm going to tell you three times. That's and true. then within that body, I'm going to tell you three or four, maybe probably usually three, but three or four things that I think you should really hang on to. Mm. And I can see those when I script them out. So it'll have like a intro, and then it'll have three different headings and then an outro thing. And the title at the top is the piece. And then those three middle sections within the body will be three ideas that are all linked together. And each of those ideas, I push myself to find a way to illustrate it with a story, something that's actually I, I've heard or has, I've experienced, because I think just throwing out a concept is not as powerful as throwing out a concept and then grounding it in a narrative that that we can relate to. Mm -hmm. So. I lean on story heavily and, and it sounds like I'm, I, I'm, I'm as fascinated by it as, as you are by the sounds of it. And, you know, I've, I've done a lot of reading about, you know, story structure. I've read a lot on, you know, back Joseph Campbell stuff and how he was going around collecting myths around the world and how we tell stories in different cultures and how those sort of tie together. And then how people write scripts for films and those sorts of uh, books as well, I find really interesting because I think if you can work out how to tell a good story, the things that you can that you can hide in that almost, you know, I think it's it's how you package the truth you want to get across, the interesting thing you want to get across, M means it lands completely differently. You know, I can mm -hmm. I can say to you that you know it's really important that you that you that you work out why you're doing what you're doing, for example, and I could tell you stories about how you know I I I, I would prefer to get a, a one nice email 
than 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 a bunch of likes on on a video, for example. But then if I tell you that uh, about nine months ago, I got an email from a guy who was at the end of his tether and he was he wanted to take his own life and he drove to the Lake District. He wanted to end it. And so he he took a bottle of Jack Daniels and a bottle of pills. He started walking up the hill, but he was he was listening to my audiobook at the time. And he sends me this email that says, You saved my life, which obviously I didn't. I didn't, I'm not a hero and I didn't do anything like that. But he said, like I walked and I listened to chapter one and chapter two and chapter three and chapter four. And he says, You got to the top of the hill. And he he, he was like, I, I'm gonna keep listening because I want to see what chapter five is. And he's chapter six and chapter seven and eight and nine. And by the time he gets to the end of the book, he's back at the car hmm. and he gets in the car and he drives home to his family. And he sends me this email and says to me, you know, nothing's changed. I've got the same problem. I had this injury. I'm really battling to get over it. But, but listening to something that you chose to put out into the world, you don't know this. This wasn't your intention. But on that day, it made a difference. And I'm going to keep going for another thing. Now, hmm. I tell you that story now. You feel something different than if I just say to you, oh, I prefer emails and likes. You can right. feel what that feels right. like because I just told you that very, very quick story, very messily. It doesn't matter, but it now grounds it in an actual experience that did actually happen. And that now is a completely different thing. Now everyone goes, okay, okay, I understand. Actually, that makes sense because you might sit there going, well, yeah, yeah, I don't really feel that way that getting an email is better than 100,000 likes. But when you hear that, you're like, yeah, it is actually. It is actually. Yeah. And that's the power of a story is it, is, is it can convey meaning or feeling way beyond a fact sheet or a bunch of bullet points preach i mean that's that's why jesus used parables because they would say like yeah. what do you think about this and he just like completely took it over here and told a parable instead because he couldn't argue with it because people got exactly. it i mean i do these i do these i'm not promoting these at all but i'm, I'm do these magazines now i've literally called them parables i was going to ask you about that yeah so it, and they're literally exactly that it's like i decided i don't really want to just chuck photography out there every year that's just in a book, but not really put together. I want to learn how to sequence images and put them together and do a bunch of writing that tells one story or talks about one thing and then lands it with something that's really, really meaningful because of the power of story. So that's why I call these parable. Cause I, I think like the idea of burying a deep truth in a, in a well-told story is a, is a time-worn tactic that works incredibly well if you use it for the right reasons. What about when you do have a point that you're wanting to make and drive home. I don't know if this is the therapist in me, the female conditioning coming out of me or what it is, but I always want to preference stuff because whenever you have, and this is one of the issues, you know, within religion, a very strong statement with stuff, you usually exclude different experiences out. And God help me if I don't get more and more sensitive to that reality because the issues in our world are really seeped in that so it's like i want to make bold statements like hey this 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 mm -hmm. but then also it's like that can be interpreted in so many different ways so sometimes i find myself wanting to preference stuff in a video and in the script but a huge part of writing is the elimination part of it like is this sentence necessary is this word necessary and when i'm stopping every two seconds to be like well, i don't mean anything against people who grew up in london or you know yeah, like yeah. preferencing everything it's so weird to try to be conscious you know of people and all the experiences but also be very direct in your language yeah i mean it's the world we live in isn't it i i, I do a little bit of that too i find myself kind of like just so you don't misunderstand you know because like i know what my comment section is going to do if you've misunderstood this mm -hmm. but i think i've just learned as i've gone along like I'm never going, I could never do enough to avoid all the backlash. There's, I couldn't say enough. In fact, a whole video would be, just so you don't misunderstand, I'm going to say this sentence <laughs> and spend the rest of the video explaining why it's not the thing you think it means. I think you just have to back yourself a little bit and go, I'm going to try and say this as best I can. And I'm going to understand, I can see the points where people are going to misunderstand me or because they've got their own worldview that they're seeing this through. And that's fine. But there's mm -hmm. so many different worldviews that are going to take these in through the, whatever I say through their particular filter and reinterpret it. I can't anticipate all that, and I'm wasting my time if I if I try. And and hopefully you can pick up a little bit of who I am, what I care about, and on top of what I'm saying, and you have the generosity to 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 think the best with me and realize what's actually important to me. And if you want to fight your fight, you'll fight it even if I did preface everything I was saying throughout and was really, really careful, you'll still fight your fight in the comment sections because that's the only reason you're here, you know, because it's something vaguely linked to the thing you care about and you need to yell about it. Have at it. I don't really pay a ton of 
attention to my comment sections anymore. Do you ever get I, negative just, comments? Oh yeah, gosh, yeah. I'll get I'll get trolled quite regularly. Not not as much anymore, but yeah, still fairly. Interesting. Um, it's you can't you can't live like that. I don't think you 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 just oh. have to. And and we're we're so oversensitive, and both sides of any argument are, you know, as 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 aggressive as each other. I'm I'm fine if I'm misunderstood, as long as I was careful in putting things across mm-hmm. the way that I meant it. And I, I I know that I communicate well enough at this point that that I've done my due diligence. If you if you misunderstand me beyond that, I think that's. I think I'm allowed to say that's on that's on you and I'm going to move on to the next thing because I haven't got time to clear up everyone's perceptions about this. And usually that's not the point. It's usually because you want to engage me in a thing that's about the thing that you care about and you want to have a go at me for it so that people can be drawn to talk about the thing you care about in my comment section. But go and make your own video about it. Like I don't, yeah. I can't spend time talking about everyone else's things for hours and hours because I wouldn't make anything. Yeah. Your videos are so unrushed they're very meditative almost where there's it's like you're not afraid to breathe in it a little bit and there's a lot of comfort in that especially for me people who have found you because they're searching for something and like kind of some deeper life questions it's like all right this dude's here just to talk to us and i admire it sean but also when I'm making stuff, I have a lot of fear around making things that are, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the, the jump cuts and, and so forth, and there's an art to it. And I'm not saying that my style is yours. It's not. I'm mm. a pretty, I don't know if you picked this up, kind of quirky, energetic girl. So mm. my editing and all of that's going to come through with that because mm. that's who I am. However, there's also a line there where I want to be mindful that I'm not afraid of space in the Mm. video world because it's so beautiful. And Mm. I've I've been going through old films lately and they're so long Mm. (laughs) in the eighties music. I have some on my playlist when I'm running and it's four (laughs) minutes and I'm like, what? You can't do that in 2023 or things like a minute or two. So man, again, I know that's a style of yours and it's not going to be everybody's, but also too, I think there's uh, some room for us to think about the power of silence and space a little bit and letting things land in our storytelling. So how do you gauge when like, hey, this is a moment that something needs to land versus me moving on? The silence thing is interesting because going back to doing the therapy stuff at the moment, like studying to be a therapist, like. I struggle with silence like everybody does. I mean, you, you, there's there's something that you learn like in counseling. There's a very very silence is a skill, mm-hmm. and the ability to to leave it. Like if you're sitting and talking to somebody and they kind of run themselves out of steam and they stop and and there's a there's a minute of silence or a minute of silence, a second of silence. Most of us will go like, quick, I need to have a question, and you got because you got to fill the silence right. We can't just sit there and stare at each other. You're, you're actually encouraged in counseling to leave those long pauses, hold mm-hmm. them till they're uncomfortable. Because what often happens is, and if, if you're familiar with uh, Louis Theroux's stuff, he's a documentary filmmaker from the UK. He's done a lot of stuff in the States. He's a master at this. So he'll, he'll go in with just a cameraman to some quirky community somewhere and hang out with them for a week. But when he does interviews with people, they're often walking around a house, showing him things. And he, he, he uses this trick all the time that they'll talk until they're finished saying what they're saying but it's it's all been kind of surface and then they'll they'll finish and they'll look at him expecting him to ask another question and he'll just look at them and now there's a camera and this interviewer looking at them and they feel the pressure to fill that space and they'll jump in and they'll start talking and whatever comes out next is usually brilliant because they have to drop down mm-hmm. a level they've, they've run out of surface stuff they, they gave you it all that's why they're looking for a question to move on to the next topic but he won't. If he feels like it's good, he waits and they drop down and then start to dig a bit deeper to find something else to say. And it's it's such an amazing tactic. Works in counseling. And I, I just think like as a it's a bit of a life philosophy, you know, whether it's taking silence or space for ourselves, good stuff always comes out of that. In conversations with other people, in the style of putting things out into the world, like great stuff comes after silence. And I I, I think mm-hmm like making that space for ourselves more and more, which we're all uncomfortable with. We all hate it. I hate it as much as anybody else. 
learning how to be comfortable with our own silence and space and silence and space with people in our lives as well mm. is is really powerful and, and i don't i don't necessarily leave space like silences in my video but i definitely try and pace them in a way that feels like that it feels like it does. there's a bit more there's a bit more breathing room to it and and honestly if you're trying to succeed on youtube it's the wrong way to do it let me tell you like right. don't don't do it because 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 people do want punchier shorter stuff that that's the stuff that quote unquote works but i'm not making videos to try and be the most popular thing on youtube i'm making videos for people like me i'm making the videos right. i want to watch right. and there are a lot of people out there who are like yeah that's me too and that that connects with them and i i think yeah it's a, it's definitely a preference thing like you said you, the way you do stuff comes out of who you are it's genuine right. through and through like right. that you can feel that and i think it's finding who you are and then making the stuff that fits that personality this will be my last big question and we'll wrap it up i didn't know the term for it until recently when you said i think i'm gonna be embarrassed if i say this the wrong way benedict is that the right word at the end of your videos where you're like oh, the benediction yeah it's like benedict yeah, yeah. an egg yeah, yeah. <laughs> i can't remember yeah, yeah, yeah. i never heard of it before rob bell i don't know if you follow rob bell i love yes, him I know rob bell. he he does similar things i know he was a former pastor as well man and i don't know if it's because of my upbringing or what but every time you end your video like that i always just feel like deep emotion because i can i feel like you're actually saying the prayer over us and it means yeah. so much it's so beautiful so thank you for including that in your videos. But I just wanted to ask you a little bit about that spiritual element into your message again. And I guess the freedom you have, even though you're not administering, you're not pastor to still like, I don't know if bless is the right word that you would use, but mm -hmm. speak over our lives mm -hmm. as the viewers. Does that, do you believe that comes from God? Like, is he giving you those words or where does that desire come from? I mean, I don't, I don't know if I think, think about it that literally anymore i mean i mean the the, the idea of benediction is like the latin is benediction. bene is good and diction is obviously words but like speaking words so it's 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 good words like it's it's giving you like well wishes at the end of a message uh, the, like it's it's a it's not even just a christian thing like lots of traditions will do this a teacher will teach for an hour and at the end they'll personalize it by saying something like i mean the, the old Christian formula was may you. So may you go out there and yeah. find a way to get a better handle Bravo. on your lives. May you, yeah, exactly. Like that yeah. kind of idea. So it's a, it's a way to wish you well as you go out after we've talked about important things. And as, as a way to kind of personalize from me to you, whoever's listening at the end of something, it feels like rather than just going, well, yeah, good luck. You know, it's, it's kind of like, People it's kind of me saying, I really hope that this makes a difference for you. That's my mm. hope sitting on this end of it. I, I hope it really lands with you. I hope you feel some measurable change, maybe some lightness in your shoulders, maybe mm. less anxiety about, are you doing well or not? Cause you're fine and it takes time for all of us and don't beat yourselves up. Like, I, ho I hope I'm, I'm, I'm really, and this is often why I light my videos the way that I do if I'm sitting in my lounge, cause I want it to feel like you've come and stayed over my house and we're sitting up late at night talking and we've talked about stuff and I want you to know, like, I wish you well, and then we can go to bed afterwards and you can go on your way the next day, you know, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's a way to say at the end of talking late at night, Hey, I, I hope you're going to be yeah. okay. You know, and I, I, it's just a personal way to do that. Yeah. I, does it come from, from my very messy theology now? God, that'd be a good podcast name. Messy. Yeah. Theology. Yeah. I'd listen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my faith is really important to me. And I, I believe that everything that I do in, in the world, whatever it is, is trying to make things a little bit better, bring a bit more peace and a bit more mm. happiness to people's lives. And I, I do believe that comes from God is a difficult word for me now that feels too, that feels too specific and has too much baggage for people. But yes, that's what I mean. Oh, no. And so, yeah, I try and draw from that all the time. And, yeah. and put that into every script I write so that it's in everything that I say. And whatever that, that, that other element to something, I hope that that's, you know, I used to call it the Holy Spirit, whatever that is, I hope that comes across when I say something like it, it, it's, 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 you, you feel something hit you beyond some information I just gave you that actually makes a tangible difference to you and helps you get up the next day and so I can do this again for a bit more, you know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't have words for those anymore. I don't, I don't, I, and I'm not trying to define what goes on. I don't, I, I think it's going to always be beyond my understanding, 
and I want to read every religion far and wide and work out what everyone thinks is going on. But yes, yes, it's all that kind of, it all comes from that space, hopefully. I love it. Last question. We'll wrap it up here. But before then, obviously, I just want to, dude, you didn't have to jump on the show. You didn't have to write this book. You don't have to pull out your camera and sit there for hours and make videos that some people like and some people don't and go through the ups and downs of all of it. But from a girl out in Georgia who was really in a really dark place last year, I went through all of them and I was sending them to people. I'm like, the videos felt like, I even watched some of the technical ones I didn't even get about the cameras because I was just waiting for you to say something. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. I love your videos. I do that. But it, it literally, like I, the only way I can explain it is it felt like it was speaking kind of that part of myself that I felt like I lost a few years ago mm. in the in the church. And it was bringing me back to that place again, but in a way safer, healthier way. So oh, Thank you. Thank you so much for just being you, Sean. You're the best. Where can people connect with you? I I looked for your magazine on your website, but I didn't see it. And maybe I just missed it. But is that what you want to direct people to or what you got going on? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the, 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 yeah, you could, seantucker.photography is my website. And yeah, it's got images there and you can read more about the meaning and the making on there. You can't buy it from me unless you want the audio book that's on my website. And yeah, the parable magazines are on there, the physical ones and the digital ones are on there as well. Okay. Otherwise just at Sean Tuck, S-E-A-N-T-U-C-K on Instagram, or just search my name on YouTube and you'll find me. Cool. All that will be linked in the show notes. Very last question, Sean Tucker, what is something that you are questioning deeply right now? Mm-hmm. This, is, this is what they call in counseling like doorstop confessions we're about to leave the door leave the room i'm like last question let's just wrap it up here a whole new subject <laughs> like not related to anything we talked about i think i think i'm questioning how much i need people in my life right now i i went through a divorce a few years ago and i moved up to a new part of the country and i, I was living here on my own and i always assumed that as an introvert i'm quite happy with time on my own and i don't really need people around definitely questioning that and realizing that actually, I think I need to probably make a change next year to, to plug back in with groups of people, give myself a better shot at finding a partner because I live in a super rural part of the world as well. All those kind of things, which is something I think I'd, I think I'd sort of thought of myself as a bit, I always had these ideas like, oh yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move to a remote island somewhere and live in a cottage. I realize I'm not that guy now because actually I do, I need people in my life more than I realize. So I'm going through this whole adjustment at the moment about what I want my life to look like, yeah. Beautiful. 